0: Do you drive? Do you drive farther than you can cycle? Do you spend a lot of money on fossil fuels for your car? I bet you do. But that's now a thing of the past. With a brand new EV, you can be the envy of all your friends and neighbors. They'll gasp with astonishment as you pull silently away from them because they didn't know the motor was on. They'll shriek with excitement when you floor the accelerator and they feel the instant 100% torque right from the get-go. They'll stare at you with a puzzled expression when you explain that it's powered by free electricity from your solar panels, or that it earns you money by helping to balance the grid using a time-of-day tariff with negative pricing. They'll start to pull their hair out when you tell them that road tax is zero, servicing is peanuts, and you don't have to pay congestion or US charges. But how far will it go on a charge, they'll ask? Smugness spreading over their faces. Much further than your bladder, you'll reply. And I can get it charged while I'm doing something else like eating, shopping, or at the movies. So don't delay. Become part of the future. Get an EV now. You'd have to be a fossil fool not to. This is the part of the act where we hide all those terms, conditions, and exceptions that mean what we've said above is rubbish. So here goes. Not all EVs can drive longer than your bladder can last. Not everyone has solar panels or time-of-day tariffs. Other than that, you're golden. Oh, and the government's going to make it illegal to buy fossil fuel cars soon. So there's that. Hello, I'm Gary and this is episode 53 of EV Musings, a podcast about renewables, electric vehicles and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. On the show today we'll be talking range. How far do you really need to drive on a charge? Before we start I just wanted to see if you're subscribed to the newsletter. I mentioned this last week and got a message from listener Tom Wood who told me he couldn't find a link to subscribe as he isn't on Twitter. Good call, Tom. The link to the newsletter page is now in the show notes. Please click to get a quick one-page newsletter to your inbox every Tuesday morning. It has five top EV stories, something to make you think a little, and a link to something you might find interesting to buy. Our feature topic today concerns range. Now, we've covered various aspects of range on earlier episodes, and links to those episodes are in the show notes. Range anxiety, or as we call it here on the podcast, charger anxiety, is real. Nobody wants to run out of charge and find there's no way of recharging their car, but regardless of how far you can travel on your battery, you can still run out. Today, I'm looking at range from a different point of view. What's the actual usable range you need on your battery? YouTuber EVman UK posted a video recently where he used a whiteboard and some government and automotive association statistics to show how far a lot of people drive. He did this to work out how much range you actually need for an EV. Please go and watch the video, as I think he does a great job of explaining his thinking. Leave a comment there to say you came here via the EV Musings podcast as well, thanks. His main conclusion was that 250 miles of range was about the sweet spot. So let's look at those figures. Using government data, he showed that the vast majority of drivers would not feel safe driving for more than four and a half hours without a break. Using motoring association figures and allowing for a little leeway on the generous side, he showed that the average speed on UK roads is 55 miles per hour. Multiplying these two figures together came to a little under 250 miles distance. In theory, this is the distance that a proportion of all drivers would admit to driving without a break. But the interesting figure that came up from the research indicated that drivers would usually actually drive a shorter distance than that. Fully 90% of drivers would be willing to drive three hours and only 58% would be willing to drive four hours in a single stint. What this means in reality is that the vast majority of drivers are looking at somewhere between three and four hours as a maximum driving time for a single run. Using the generous 55 mile an hour speed that gives a maximum traveling distance are between 175 miles and 220 miles uh, just to clarify this doesn't mean drivers will only drive to destinations that are 175 miles away and no further it means they'll drive 175 miles before they stop for a break at a p then they'll carry on friend of the podcast andrew till took his e-nero down to italy last year and that was a round trip of about 2100 miles quite a bit further than, than the range of his e-nero so it can be done Remember also that this is a maximum distance based on average road speeds. In reality, there will be times when you'll be in a car for three or four hours and not have reached anywhere near 175 or 200 miles. Anyone driving the M25 on a Friday night rush hour can attest to that. How many times have you heard the comment, I'll only get an EV when they can do 600 miles like my current diesel? The figures shown here make an absolute mockery of that claim. Apart from anything else, driving longer than four hours is dangerous to both the driver and other road users. Fatigue, especially in non-EVs, is a big factor in road accidents. Drivers falling asleep at the wheel or losing concentration for a fraction of a second, that's all it needs. Furthermore, the human body isn't designed to sit in a position like that for so long. There's a reason longer movies like Lawrence of Arabia had intermissions in the middle. It was to allow patrons to stretch their legs and go to the toilet. The same applies with motor vehicles. For me the longest trip I do is from my house in Hampshire to my parents house in Yorkshire. When I had a fossil fuel car I used to do the journey which is about 205 miles in a little over four hours. Sometimes that was without a break but often I'd find myself stopping at Toddington, Leicester Forest East, Woodall services for a pee and a coffee. Now that I've got the Kia Soul I do the same, but I stop at the Milton Keynes Hub and the Holiday in Derby for a charge instead. It takes me, you know, about four and a half, 445, 450, but I arrive feeling much more relaxed and less stressed. Crucially, it costs me around £6 for the journey for electricity versus £35 for petrol each way. So we know that 600 miles for an EV is absolutely not needed. Therefore, what is the range you need in an EV to mitigate range anxiety? the general consensus used to be 200 miles. This is now possible in a large number of the newer EVs being sold or marketed today. The new Kia Soul, the Kona, the e-Nero, the iPace, the e-tron, the Porsche Taycan, the ID3, Ford Mustang, the Polestar, the Mercedes EQC, and pretty much all the Tesla range. Of course, there are quite a few newer cars that have a lower range than that. The Honda e, Peugeot 208, MG ZSAV, Seat Mi, Uh, Nissan Leaf, DS3 Crossback, the Vauxhall Corsair, and the new Mini-e as examples. So does this mean these cars aren't useful EVs? Of course not. I, for example, don't do the Yorkshire run more than a couple of times a year. So to spend a fortune on a car that will do 250 plus miles for the few journeys I take of that distance is frankly ridiculous. We've already talked in previous episodes about whether having a car with a bigger battery but longer charging times is better than having a smaller battery with quicker charging times. Tesla Bjorn, Bjorn Island has already proved that smaller and quicker can win a race when he pitted the Kia Soul against an I-Pace. So saying you need 200 miles because you do a 200 mile trip once in a blue moon is slightly misleading. Again, the average UK journey is considerably less than 20 miles. So every single EV on the road should be able to do that distance without a problem. Don't get me wrong. I totally understand the appeal of being able to do 250 or 300 miles on a charge. It gives you the feeling that you'll never get range anxiety. But in reality, that's just a holdover from the fossil fuel age. We've talked before on this podcast about the narrative, which is the framing that fossil fuel companies use to ensure that you don't look at EVs too closely. In terms of range, they are again creating a narrative, whether implicitly or explicitly. That being able to drive for long, long distances without the need to fill up is a good thing. But let me give you a, admittedly quite clumsy analogy. If you were out running and your daily run was 10 miles, would you want to carry a 10 litre water bottle around to hydrate? Of course not. You can't drink 10 litres of water in 10 miles, so you need a water bottle big enough to sustain you over the 10 miles. Then, when you run your marathon, you can still use the same water bottle, or if necessary, borrow a larger water bottle for a 26 and a bit mile run. The same applies to batteries. If you're doing fewer than 100 miles each day, you don't need a battery that can do 200 or 300 miles, do you? Especially when you realise that this will need a very rapid charge network here in the UK to give you the charging time that makes this feasible. So far, there's only Ionity with such high speed charging, and their plug and play offering is very expensive. In fact, it's more than petrol. There are more and more high-speed chargers being installed across the country from people such as BP Chargemaster and Instavolt, but the rate of rollout of these chargers is not keeping pace with the number of larger battery cars being purchased. A cursory glance at ZAPMAP indicates that BP Chargemaster have 12 sites with the high-power chargers installed. However, the majority of them are within a 60-mile radius of London, and none of them are any further north than the BP Chargemaster HQ at Milton Keynes only Tesla has perfected the underlying charging infrastructure for their vehicles at the moment. What this means though is that for the majority of UK EV drivers 50 kilowatts is going to be the maximum speed you can get on the vast majority of chargers. So having a larger battery in a vehicle means that unless your charging stop coincides with one of the few HPC's in the country you're going to be spending a lot of time at 50 kilowatt chargers waiting for your battery to fill. In a typical iPACE, for example Filling the 85 kilowatt hour battery from 10% to 80% would take you 83 minutes on a 50 kilowatt charger. If you could get to one of the HPCs with 150 kilowatt charging speed, that drops to 44 minutes. For a 64 kilowatt hour nero that same 10% to 80% charge would take 63 minutes at 50 kilowatts and 44 minutes at 175 kilowatts and above, as that's the limit imposed by the vehicle's battery management system. The trade-off you make in this case is do I want to make a couple of shorter stops of around 20 to 25 minutes to charge a smaller battery vehicle or do I want to make one longer stop of anything from an hour to 90 minutes to charge a larger battery vehicle? Obviously this is absolutely a personal decision. I tend to travel alone so stopping whenever I want is a no-brainer. If you have a young family or even an older family, making a single longer stop might be preferred so that everyone can eat, stretch and relax. It's entirely up to you. So looping back to our original question, how far do you really need to drive on a charge? The answer is, as long as you feel is appropriate. The data indicate that 250 miles is at the top end of what most people would consider appropriate. Real life indicates that 175 to 200 miles is probably closer to what the majority of people actually need. The problem at the moment is that most non-EV drivers don't see that. They look at the distance they can drive in their petrol or diesel car and feel they need a like-for-like replacement. But as we've said before on this podcast, the reason you need large tanks on fossil fuel cars is because the only place you can refill your fossil fuel car is at a petrol station. With an EV, you can charge... At home, while shopping, while at the cinema, while staying overnight at a hotel with a destination charger. And pretty soon you'll be able to charge while waiting for him McDonald's takeaway. The logical conclusion is that you don't need the capacity to drive 600 miles on a single charge. And the sooner we get over the narrative being propagated by the fossil fuel companies that we do, the better. It's time to share a cool renewable or EV thing with your listeners. Our cool thing today is EVA England. The Electric Vehicle Association of England is a new organisation set up recently by Warren Phillips, uh, who's an e-Nero driver who took me out in his car at a Sussex EV meet last year. And its aim is to be the voice of electric vehicle drivers in England. It has certain objectives, such as promoting electric vehicle use in England, promoting the environmental and health benefits of electric vehicles to the public in England, representing the interests of current and prospective electric vehicle drivers in England and providing services to electric vehicle drivers in England. Their website's up and running at evaengland.org.uk and I would encourage you to go and take a look at it. While you're there, please take the time to fill in the survey they're putting together to help the government firm up its commitment to phasing out fossil fuel cars by 2035 or earlier. It's initiatives such as this which push forward the cause of electric vehicles in the world and we wish them luck. And that's the show for today. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you want to contact me, use the EV Musings Twitter account MusingsEV. If you wanted a quick reference ebook to read on your Kindle, I wrote a little something called So You've Gone Electric. It's available on Amazon worldwide for the measly sum of 99p or equivalent, and it's a great little introduction to living with an electric car. At the moment, it's free on Kindle Unlimited or if you're in the Kindle Lending Library. Check it out. Links for everything I've talked about in the podcast today are in the description. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. It's available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave a review as it helps raise our visibility and extend our reach in search engines. Thanks as always to my co-founder Simon. My condolences on your recent loss. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.